there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello and welcome to your politics podcast special on the resignation of Boris Johnson as British Prime Minister. This is Mary Regan. I'm joined by Finnegal TD Neil Richmond, RTE's political correspondent Michal Lahan and reporter Connor Hunt, and Newt political correspondent Sirka Nirida. But first, let's hear some of what Boris Johnson had to say. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. And I've agreed with Sir Graham Brady, the chairman of our backbench MPs, that the process of choosing that new leader should begin now. And the timetable will be announced next week. And I've today appointed a cabinet to serve, as I will, until a new leader is in place. So I want to say to the millions of people who voted for us in 2019, many of them voting Conservative for the first time, thank you for that incredible mandate the biggest Conservative majority since 1987, the biggest share of the vote since 1979. And the reason I have fought so hard in the last few days to continue to deliver that mandate in person was not just because I wanted to do so, but because I felt it was my job, my duty, my obligation to you to continue to do what we promised in 2019. And of course, I'm immensely proud of the achievements of this government from getting Brexit done to settling our relations uh, with the continent. And in the last few days, I've tried to persuade my colleagues that it would be eccentric to change governments when we're delivering so much and when we have such a vast mandate and when we're actually only a handful of points behind in the polls. I regret uh, not to have been successful, but as we've seen uh, at Westminster, the herd instinct is powerful and when the herd moves, it moves. And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the breaks. Boris Johnson announcing his resignation there. He's saying it's clearly now the will of the Conservative Party that there should be a new leader and therefore a new Prime Minister. And he said the process will begin now and a timeline will be announced next week. Now, he doesn't give a specific timetable, but he says he will stay in place until a new Prime Minister is appointed. And he said he is sad to be uh, leaving what is the best job in the world, but uh, them's the breaks. I might go to you first, Neil Richmond, for your reaction. What did you make of that speech? Uh, it was no great surprise. It was a slightly unedifying speech, to be honest. It sounded at times like a bit of a stump speech, but after the last 48 hours, his continuing existence as Prime Minister and the leader of the Conservative Party was obviously untenable to anyone half-paying an interest. What will be of very much clear interest to those of us in Ireland is who comes next. The, a new leader could be put to the Conservative me- members actually within two weeks under the rules of the 1922 committee. It will be Sir Graham Brady and his executive who decides the process as opposed to the Prime Minister itself. We all remember the leadership election that happened after Theresa May resigned. But I think for all of us here in Dublin, this is an opportunity 
community, Mary, for a reset, a reset in relations between London and Dublin and between London and Brussels to ensure that we have a partner in London that can make sure that the best approach is taken to the Northern Irish Protocol so it works as best possible for all the people on these islands, that we have the ability to have a British government that meets its responsibilities as a guarantor of a Good Friday Agreement and the United Kingdom can repair its relationship or reputation within the world as a country that respects the rule of law and that plays its full part. So I look forward to what comes next but sadly once again a lot of what we're doing here in Dublin is reliant on the internal machinations of Westminster. Okay and Connor Hunt uh, joins us now in the studio. Connor, you might kind of go through for us what, what happens next, where, where to from here? Well this is a fast moving story and politics is, is always fast moving I suppose. Uh, the, the people to watch out for is the 1922 committee. They set out the rules essentially. Now we've heard a lot about them over the last few weeks. They're essentially um, the backbenchers who set the process in place for these kinds of elections. The key thing about this race, I think, as distinct from 2019, is that there is no obvious successor. Last time when Theresa May uh, stood down, Boris Johnson was the obvious favourite, of course, beating Jeremy Hunt that time. Now, Jeremy Hunt might indeed uh, enter this race. Um, but what will happen next is... The 1922 committee will meet and it depends how many candidates uh, go for the race and that will determine um, the, the outcome. If um, you are an MP and you want to run in the race, you have to have the backing of eight MPs. So I would imagine there will be several uh, names going on on that list, uh, even perhaps uh, as we speak or over the coming days as they, um, they consult their advisors. Um, then those candidates get whittled down to two and that, that's an internal party process, an internal election, that will whittle it down to two. And then those two names will go to the country, the, uh, the country being the members of the Tory party. And that will happen by postal vote. There's about 100,000 members of the Conservative Party. So ultimately, it will be up to them who, who decides who the next Tory party leader is, and by extension, who the next prime minister will be. Any indication how long it might take? I would imagine it'll take several weeks. Um, I mean, we, we heard there that um, there's no timeline on when Boris Johnson will, will go. People do, uh, you know, his, his critics, obviously he's very divisive, and his critics would like to see him gone sooner than later. But as we saw from previous Tory party leadership races, the expectation is that this will take a couple of weeks, perhaps uh, over the summer. But no obvious successor, I think, is the, the key point here. OK, and our political correspondent, Mia Lahan, joins us live now from Leinster House. I think, Michal, there had been a sense in Irish politics that the protocol issue could not be resolved so long as Boris Johnson had been on the ropes. So will this announcement be met with a sense of relief, a, a reset, as, as Neil Richmond just said there? Yeah, they are the words, Mary, relief and reset that are being used around here. But I suppose a lot of what happens next is clearly contingent uh, on who replaces Boris Johnson. And while politicians and senior ones in particular aren't saying very much about that, there is equally a clear sense emerging that anyone except Liz Truss would be preferable. Uh, there is a fear that if Liz Truss was to get that top job in British politics, that that could prove problematic, just as problematic uh, as Boris Johnson's approach to the protocol uh, has proven to be over a period of time. Uh, I suppose some will point out too though that she didn't begin with that position uh, but it was in many ways uh, her talks, her dealings with that faction within the Tory party that are influential and have been influential in the appointment of leaders in the past, the ERG, uh, that led her uh, to change her position over time around the protocol. So 
whoever gets into that race and whoever wins uh, will have a large say on what happens next, clearly. I think there is a hope within government circles and within Leinster House uh, generally that things can change around that legislation uh, that is in Westminster that would override the protocol, that the opposition has been strong enough at European level and indeed within Westminster itself uh, that would allow ultimately for a change of course. Uh, clearly the commitment, understandably enough, uh, from the Irish government is on uh, the agreement that is in place. Pascal Dunhu, a cautious minister at all times yesterday, speaking in forthright terms, that that is the result of painstaking diplomacy and the best solution uh, that avoids a hard border and also keeps uh, this country fully part of the European single market. So, uh, Neil Richmond, am I right in saying that while there might be a hope that the next British Prime Minister won't be so much off of Brexit here, that, that the government here is not taking that for granted in any way? Not at all, Mary. If you look at the two people who've so far declared their interest, it's the Attorney General, Suella Braverman, and backbencher Steve um, Barkley, two people, Steve Baker, who are two notorious Brexiteers. They were part of the 26 Spartans. They're part of the ERG. They would take a harder line than Boris Johnson or indeed Liz Truss. So the, the government, along with European partners, will be alive to any potential new Prime Minister and how they may react. And we look forward to working. But as I said, this is an opportunity now for a reset. And we very much hope that whoever comes into office actually will take the responsibility seriously and the ask from those of us in Ireland and across the EU are very simple. We just want a Prime Minister who will meet the terms and agreement that they themselves signed. So Sarika, um, depending on how long this process takes, there'll be a lot for the Irish government to watch very, very closely here, won't there? Yeah, um, I think it's worrying, you know, that um, here we have Boris Johnson announcing that he's going to, to resign. Um, he's obviously very reluctant to do so, judging by the speech that he just gave there talking about how uh, it's an eccentric thing to do to leave when they were only a handful of points behind in the poll and talking about the hard instinct, instinct kicking in uh, over there and how powerful that was and calling it the best job in the world and so on. And then we've no timetable for when this is going to happen and actually saying that we'll get the timetable next week, not this evening or tomorrow, but next week sometime. And when that process kicks in, it could take a lot longer than we expect it to take. The more candidates there are, the longer it's going to take. And meanwhile, um, that uncertainty continues. The difficulty with the protocol continues. Um, we're not going to see any progress on any of this matter until we have someone new mm. in place there. And of course, no apology, no um, acknowledgement of, of defeat in any way. That's something that there may be some focus on it from his speech. Absolutely. And also he was trying to justify there why he dug his heels in yesterday and why he wouldn't resign yesterday and saying that he saw it as my duty, my obligation to continue to do what I had promised to do in 2019. So justifying the position that he's taken up to now and also saying, you know, saying that it was eccentric for people to demand a change of government at this point in time. An extraordinary speech, I thought. Mm. And uh, Michal Lahan, I might go back to you. Uh, I assume the Irish government will not be commenting uh, immediately on what is an internal uh, political matter uh, for the British government. But, but, you know, can we expect some sort of statements from the Taoiseach or, you know, from the Taoiseach at some point uh, in the next couple of hours? Yes. 
Yeah, I would think so. When the Thonister was asked about this yesterday, he was uh, fairly reticent. And I think the statement that will come will be guarded, uh, will acknowledge uh, what is happening uh, in London, but probably go not much further than that. But of course, things have changed dramatically during Boris Johnson's time as Prime Minister of Britain when it comes to relations uh, with this country uh, from a high not too long ago uh, to that time when the Queen came to visit Ireland to where things stand now, talk, talk consistently from the most senior politicians here about Anglo-Irish relations being at their lowest ebb, uh, maybe compared to the 70s, that it goes back that far and they had come from such a high place. And even if Brexit was the trigger for that, in the immediate aftermath of that, those relations were still fairly strong. I mean, after all, Leo Varadkar in his first days as Taoiseach uh, was able to go to Downing Street and joke uh, that it reminded him of a scene from Love Actually. Uh, so things since then have changed. They've changed dramatically and a lot of that goodwill has evaporated in a way that seemed unfathomable just a short time ago. So whoever replaces Boris Johnson, uh, it is going to be quite a task rebuilding that. And I suppose the hope uh, within government buildings is that the quickest way to do that and the most obvious way is to press the pause button and ultimately the delete button on that legislation, that unilateral legislation that would override the protocol. And bearing in mind what Neil Richmond just said, is it possible that, you know, there could be not only a more hardline Brexit here replacing Boris Johnson, but also a more competent one? It is possible, but equally there is a hope here and they're basing that on history that uh, Conservative leaders, when they are replaced, uh, can be contrasting, very contrasting in style, uh, thinking back to when John Major replaced Margaret Thatcher and also even Boris Johnson compared to Theresa May. Very different styles, very different approaches. Uh, the word that's being used here is that the Tory party corrects uh, in the aftermath uh, of events like this. That may be optimistic. I think while there is a degree of caution, I think the hope uh, is genuine and there is some grounds to support it, that it will be uh, a different style of leader. And uh, Conor Hunt, we've been reading some sort of mischievous reports in recent days of how various senior cabinet ministers have been wooing MPs with, with drinks and, and dinners. Who are the runners and riders at, at this point? Who are the serious contenders now? Yeah, I'd say, well, I'd say the jockeying as well. Jockeying is well underway. We heard um, Hall mention her earlier on, but the Foreign Secretary, Liz Truss, she's currently abroad and flying into London, into this mess, I suppose. She certainly uh, made it known of her ambitions. But, but there's other people too. Uh, Jeremy Hunt, the former Health Secretary, the, the former Foreign Secretary, he, of course, took on Boris, as I mentioned earlier, in 2019. Uh, he's a Remainer, though, so that, that could be a hindrance to him. But isn't it a little bit strange, even like six years on from Brexit, we still refer to people as Remainers or Brexiteers, but I think it's yeah. kind of an accurate picture enough. Um, Rishi Sunak, the former Chancellor, I think is very interesting. Up until a few months ago, he would have been the natural successor to take, take over. But then there's revelations about family tax affairs and that looks like that, that, have, that has him scuppered. Then you look at the, the cabinet ministers who've just resigned, the, the former uh, senior members, Sajid Javid, the former health secretary, and then we're talking about uh, Nadim Zawawi. Now he, he is seen as close to, to Boris Johnson. And I think in many ways, that's what the, the Tories have to decide. Do they want someone to continue on his way of doing things, to continue on his legacy, or are they gonna go for a different direction? As we know, Boris Johnson 
was a very divisive figure. And is there someone there? I mean, it's very hard to do. To, to, we hear it all the time, to unite the country, but even to, to unite the, the Tories at this stage. And Neil Richmond, um, to what extent, in your view, will the uh, unresolved issues around Brexit and indeed the protocol issue uh, form a significant part of this leadership campaign? Well, sad sadly, over the past number of years, every time there's a difficult situation, we've had certain British politicians reach for Brexit. We saw it with Liz Truss with the legislation that's currently going into the House. There was absolutely no need for that legislation. And the cynic in me suggests that she did that in order to curry favour with the important era G base. As Conor rightly says, six years on from referendum, people are still being defined whether or not they were leavers, remainers, hard leavers, hard remainers, are they Spartans, are they in the ERG? Brexit very much isn't done. And in terms of the internals of the Conservative Party, it's clearly not done. But two other people, just to add, Mary, that worth looking at are Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary, who YouGov has as the member's early favourite, and Penny Mordaunt, the International Trade Secretary, who's the bookie's favourite. So as we saw in the last time there was a leadership contest, we'll have about 12 or 15 names before eventually two go to the party membership. And this will be um, uh, sort of nervous times for the Irish government watching what happens. It will indeed. But, you know, who would have thought that we'd be in 2022 mm -hmm. worrying about uh, that there may be another leader in the UK who's willing to disregard international law, who would be willing to disregard an international treaty and go ahead with this legislation that they were planning on in terms of getting rid of the protocol. It's an extraordinary situation to be in. And I think it it shows how much the next leader in the UK is going to have to do in terms of building up trust with, uh, with other politicians, with the public in the UK and with the rest of Europe. Looking back at what Boris Johnson has done, listening to his speech there, you know, he was talking about how they had achieved such a fantastic vaccine rollout, how they had done first out, out of the blocks in terms of the lockdown, how they had, um, he had been over in Europe supporting Ukraine and so on. But what he failed to say is the damage that he has done to politics in his behaviour, in outright lying and being caught so many times telling lies. And for people who are watching that and who are going back to, who will be going back to future elections and having to elect more people, how can you trust politicians when someone who held one of the most important positions in politics uh, on an international stage like that behaved the way he did? I think mm. there's going to be a, an uphill struggle for whoever comes after him. Mm, and uh, one of those struggles, Neil Richmond, might be that whole issue of rebuilding uh, British-Irish relations. How, how, how will the government now go about that task with, with a new British Prime Minister whenever they might be um, appointed? Well, Mary, it's certainly a very delicate task. It's certainly a pressing one. It's it's no exaggeration to say that relations are probably at the worst point since the Good Friday Agreement came into place. But beyond the politics, beyond Boris Johnson and Liz Truss, there are a dedicated team of diplomats and public servants, both here and in Westminster and London, who've made sure that relations stay very keen. There's plenty of us in Ireland who are keen to make that relationship work. But what we need to see is a new Prime Minister who's willing to reset the relationship, show that the British government can be trusted, that will meet its obligations of, in terms of international law, and a approach the situation in a far more conciliatory nature rather than continuously looking to take a pop be it at Irish politicians or European leaders. Thanks very much for joining us on this special edition of the Europolitics podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave a review.